Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Everyone, welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, editorial director, here with Mara Levinsky, senior editor. Hi, everyone. So, Mara, we have another young and restless, bold and beautiful crossover afoot. Uh, Jama Cook, who plays Eric on B&B, will appear again on YNR as part of Sally's scheme to get rid of Summer. Now, John McCook, who plays Eric, actually got his soap start on YNR in 1976, playing Lance Prentice, and he became a pretty big deal. So, like Don Diamond before him, it's kind of a fun wink to the audience to have him back on the show. Now, he won't actually be in Genoa City. Sally technically goes to L.A. to visit him, but it will still be a tune-in for sure, and you know I love a crossover. Uh, There's also some casting news to talk about. In the day's front, uh, Greg Vaughn is heading back as Eric, and the show has cast an actor to play EJ and Sammy's son, Johnny, who is, of course, Allie's twin. His name is Carson Boatman, and he will make his Salem debut this summer. What great news about Greg Vaughn, you know? I feel like the Eric and Nicole fans have really been through the ringer and that he has been sorely missed on the canvas. So it'll be so great to have him back. And I feel like there is a lot of story to tell with him. I'm also pleased that we'll see Johnny. You know, the show did such an awesome job casting his twin uh, that I have very high hopes for Carson. And I'm definitely curious to know what Johnny will be like because he's such a blank canvas. Uh, Another bit of soap news making big headlines this week is that GH's Kirsten Storms, who plays Maxie, revealed that she underwent a scheduled brain surgery to remove a non-cancerous cyst that split in two and was putting pressure on her brain. So there's no word yet about how long she'll be recovering and away from work or if her absence will require Maxie to be off camera for a while or even a temporary recast. But of course, the most important thing is that she is doing well, she's back to knitting, and she'll be back in the studio as soon as possible. Uh, And I have to say that she has been turning in some truly brilliant performances of late. And it is all the more impressive to me knowing that she was going to work and memorizing gobs and gobs of dialogue and executing the material so, so well all the while dealing with the knowledge that she was going to be undergoing a surgery of this nature. Uh, We also confirm in the new issue that her leading man uh, for the past few years, Wes Ramsey, is exiting GH. 
The character was declared to be without a pulse on screen after his big confrontation with Finn on the roof. And the fallout from that is going to be a big focal point of story moving forward for a lot of different characters. Well, first of all, I'm very hopeful that Kirsten will make a speedy recovery. And I agree with you that it's amazing that she was able to pull off what she did in the past week or so of air shows, knowing this was going on. You know, as for Peter, I have to say, and certainly we've talked about this a lot, not on the podcast, but <laughs> I don't know that it ever felt that there was a real solid plan for that character. You know, on paper, it makes a lot of sense, but it never felt like the show really committed to him being a villain, though he did shady stuff, which I feel kept him in this like purgatory of sorts. You know, I've always said to you that I don't like to be in the dark with characters or stories. I want to know who they are so I can figure out how to feel about them. Mm -hmm. And I kind of kept waiting for that with Peter. Um, you know, do you remember when EJ came to Days and he was EJ Wells, a famous race car driver, and he was flirty with Sammy? And then we found out that he was Stefano's son. You know, similarly here, Peter came on as a media guy who turned out to be Faison's son. And Anna's. Oh, wait, Alex's. And then there was the disco ball ornament with the memory mapping flash drive. And then there was the tie to the bed months-long saga. Um, the point is, you get where I'm going. You say all these things out loud, and it doesn't sound like there was a big through line here, which I think is critical when you're introducing someone new like they did with him in 2017. Yeah, I, I think we were supposed to, like, root for him to find the light. Uh, and what have you, but I think a lot of the audience was greatly unmoved by the idea of sympathizing with him because whenever his house of cards was poised to crumble, he did things you can't come back from, like arranging for Drew's plane to go down. Uh, obviously, more recently, he committed more murders. Uh, he killed Franco and the real Chloe Jennings to you know, try to hold on to the happily ever after that he so badly wanted with Maxie. I think the show was intrigued with the concept of exploring a guy whose DNA had him be half WSB, half DBX, you know, as a metaphor for someone struggling between their villainous impulses and their desire to be a better man and worthy of the love of a good woman. But I think that the viability of the character was hampered not only by the, the murky, who is this guy that you detailed, but also by how genuinely upsetting it was to a lot of long-term fans that the canon of the Anna Devane character was tampered with in such a huge way to accommodate the existence of a son with Faison. I think that was a mistake, you know, pure and simple, and that the efforts to undo it, which is how he ultimately became the son of Alex Devane and Faison, was too little too late. And uh, a big takeaway for me as I think about the arc of that character in his years in Port Charles is that I think the show underestimated how much fans value the smarts of the female characters on the show. It was not entertaining viewing to me and to a lot of people, I think, to have Peter's continued existence on the show like rest on his ability to pull the wool over the eyes of savvy women like Anna and Maxie. Now, in the end, they did both see him for who he was, to paraphrase them, but I don't think it sat well with fans that Peter was able to outsmart them for so long. And, you know, yes, we, we, we've seen Maxie bamboozled before. Uh, she had that whole relationship with the despised Levi Dunkelman, who turned out to be not just like an insufferable blowhard, but also a villain who was targeting her for his own ends. But that 
was an arc that I do think was very confidently plotted and did have a plan from the start. And importantly, it was over and done with within a matter of months, not years. And two other things that story had going for it, I think, is that it didn't dominate the canvas like all of the tentacles of the Peter story did. And it was also told within the context of setting up the quite successful Maxie-Nathan pairing, which gave it a lot of payoff when it ended and Maxie did get together. Oh, I totally agree. And I know this is a very hot topic online, and it's interesting to see how more clunkery stories, if you will, play out on social media because there's such an immediate and constant feedback. And I just saw very few supportive tweets or comments about this whole Peter arc. You know, I give credit to Wes Ramsey, who has always been so accommodating with the magazine, because I can imagine that sometimes it's hard to walk that line when you're well aware that your character is not everybody's favorite. You know, not to say that he would necessarily say anything negative, but I always marvel when I go back into our old issues from the 80s, if you will, and see how people were so open in our interviews really before social media. You know, back in the day, you said something critical about the show and it died after the issue went off sale. Mm -hmm. Now it lives forever. It puts actors in a very different place. And again, this is not to say that they would complain, but if they did today, you almost feel like we're going to have a Jim Riley on Friends with Joey moment. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I do think that the actors have been a little muzzled, shall we say, by how amplified their quotes are in the current age. You know, it's not just social media, although social media certainly plays a part. I also think, you know, it's, it's, it's other internet things, you know, so blogs and uh, sites that, you know, isolate negative quotes and make independent stories out of them, which ultimately calls negative attention to the actor that was just trying to like, keep it real for the fans. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's created a culture in general of actors feeling like they really need to be careful of what they say, but it has certainly made our off the record conversations with these stars that much more juicy, I would venture to guess. Oh, I can vouch for the fact that it has for sure. <laughs> well, our guest today stepped into the role of YNR's Nate in 2019 and has been a very welcome presence on the canvas in so many ways. It's Sean Dominic, so let's check in with him and see how his Genoa City journey is going so far. Hi, Sean. Hey. How you doing? I'm good, Stephanie. Thank you for asking. How are you? Good. We're so happy you could join us today. Neither are Mara nor I has ever spoken to you, so this is going to be mm. eye-opening for everyone. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's start. You were born in Madrid, Spain, where your mother was stationed in the Air Force, and you moved around a lot as a kid because of her job. So tell us about your childhood, uh, you know, the various places you lived, and how often were you really picking up stakes and moving? Oh, man. Um, so we moved from Madrid. I was pretty much still a baby. I think it was, uh, I think we were there for like a year when I was a baby. Uh, we came to the States. Um, we first landed in South Dakota, very cold place. <laughs> but uh, we, I think for the most part, we were in places for like three years, uh, like Spain, South Dakota, uh, Florida, uh, on the, in the panhandle, uh, there for a couple of years, Maryland, we stayed a little more than three years. We were there for like five years. And then uh, from there to Delaware. And then in between, there's some small, there's some other places I stayed too, but like my mom went to Korea for a year. So me and my uh, brothers stayed with my grandparents for a year. That was a rough year. That was a rough year. I was, I was like in 
I think it was sixth grade. No, fifth grade. I think it was fifth grade. And uh, it was the worst school year I've ever had. <laughs> Imagine your mom leaving you for a year and you with your grandparents. Uh, <laughs> my grades were horrible. <laughs> but, um, uh, and yeah, that and she, um, and we spent time with my grandparents when she went to uh, uh, Desert Storm. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, usually three years. I guess we were in a place. Did you have a favorite place to live or was there like one that was hardest to say goodbye to? Moving around so much and me, it, and it happening to, to me at such a young age, it was never really hard for me. I was always excited for the new, for the new. My youngest brother, it was opposite for him because he, he grew up a little bit before he had to move and he had made best friends and it was tough on him. So yeah, it wasn't hard for me at all. Well, what was it like to grow up just as the son of a mother in the military and uh, to see her go to desert storm? Man, I was scary. I was scary. I was trying to, cause I was, uh, I was trying to hide the tears. <laughs> right. I was trying to be a man, but I, you know, I didn't know what exactly she was going to do out there, but you know, sometimes you know people don't come back but um uh it, uh it was okay because you know we had a very supportive family um my grandparents uh aunts uncles uh, a lot of cousins who are like uh, brothers and sisters to me you know so had a lot of support and she was only there for like three or four months three or four months so it wasn't too long well, this was normal life for you, you know, all of this moving uh, and starting over in a new place. Looking yeah. back, how do you think that shaped you? And do you think it factored in at all to, you know, you being drawn to performing? I've, I've been pondering this thought for a while. I don't know if I chose entertainment. You know what I mean? I think it chose me because I, I was always attracted to entertainment uh, uh, I played instruments. First, in, first forms of entertainment was dancing, and then playing instruments, and then uh, uh, music, um, plays, modeling. Um, and I played sports, but I was more attracted to entertainment. Um, and I couldn't tell you if that's from the moving around a lot. I, I, I don't know, but. The moving around a lot helped me to help me to. It's e it's much easier for me to meet people, um, read social cues, you know, uh, sit back, watch, you know, come into a new place, you know, watch, you know, who's who, you know. Uh, all right, uh, you know, all right, I can speak to this person. I can speak to this person. Looks a little standoffish. Let me let them warm up to me. Type, you know. You know, watch watch all these social cues that you need to watch, as as opposed to someone who who's been in one place for a long time and hasn't moved somewhere else. And you know, you you get those people who just like bombard conversations. You're like, hey, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of those. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows people like that. Um, well, you spent summers with your extended family, grandma and cousins, and rumor has it that Y&R was on in the background. So who were the Y&R fans in the family, and do you have any memories of watching it yourself when you were younger? 
my uncle, <laughs> he man, I call his name out. My uncle JP, <laughs> he was, <laughs> he was, uh, uh, he was a he was a um, he was a postman. He was a, he was a postman. He, he was a mail driver, and uh, uh, and so we would so we would be in my grandma's. My mom would ship me and my brothers to my grandparents and sons. So from there, we would go spend time with cousins, like uh, stay over. You know, one of my favorite cousins to stay over his place. Uh, my cousin Corey Martin. Uh, we would stay over his place a lot, and uh, his dad would be away at work. And at noon, we'll come home and have lunch and watch Wine R. Amazing. Five days a week, watch Wine R. And I think I watched one or two episodes and got caught for like a couple of years. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, oh, what's, oh, I got to figure out what's going to happen now, you know? <laughs> got caught a couple of years and then grew up and then doing other stuff. So I couldn't keep up with it. So uh, you spent really the entirety of your high school years in one place, which was Delaware. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, this, this musical inclination that you had, uh, you told Digest in your first feature interview with us that in high school, you were in gospel choir, the school chorus, playing mm -hmm. instruments, and also in an R&B group. I need mm -hmm. to know more about this R&B group. What were you called? Where did you perform? What was on your set list? I didn't. I didn't play instruments in high school. That okay. was before. High school. That was before. Okay. Um, when I first got to uh, my first year in chorus, uh, there was um, there was a guy. His name is Aaron Washington, and he was looking for people to create a group with. And so I was one of the. I was one of the newest guys to get into his group. Aaron Aaron Washington. You, very few people may have heard of his name. This guy is one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, no jokes. I'm not exaggerating. He got picked up by uh, uh, voiced men, I think. Wow. And I don't know what happened with that. I think it fell apart or whatever. But uh, it's one of the best voices I've ever heard. So got with him. He, uh, uh in two years, I think he graduated like a year or two ahead of me, and so like some of the some of the older guys left, and then it was a it was like guys uh, in my age and a little bit lower, we formed a group and it was called New Vibe, and New Vibe we performed all around Delaware at at different events and everything, and we performed at this one competition where if you won, uh, you got a chance to go to the Apollo Theater. And we won that competition and we went to perform at Apollo Theater. What wow. was that like? Yeah. Oh man, it was scary. <laughs> they could boo you. Did you they rub could... like the um is there something that you rub before you go on stage for yeah, yeah, yeah. touch it or rub it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was it was it Steve Harvey hosting? I think it was Steve Harvey hosting too. Um that that episode didn't get uh, aired. Um but they wanted us to come back and uh, to perform to, to, to a live uh, taping. But uh, we had broke up after that. Like, uh, not, not right after that, but we had broke up. Because two of, two of us went off to college, and we still had a year. Uh, the rest of us still had a year left. It was five of us in the group. Well, was music ever something you thought about pursuing, or was it just something fun to do? 
Yeah, I thought I thought about it. I I just never thought I was I just never thought I was that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like um at the time I didn't I didn't comprehend you can get better. You know, uh I just thought you were what you were. Uh if if I knew a little bit better, I'd probably st- I, I would still pursue acting, but I would probably work on getting better as a singer. Are there any new vibe MP3s floating around that I can get my hands on? There's some tapes somewhere. There's some <laughs> tapes somewhere. And we had beautiful harmony. Beautiful harmony. We, we did, uh, we sang um, uh, a lot of boys and men stuff. Because we were all together in gospel choir and chorus. Okay. So we already knew each other. We already knew how each other sounded. And we already had an ear. You mm-hmm. know, so... It was it was beautiful. I would love to hear it. I would love for somebody to bring some tapes out. We, there's some tapes somewhere. <laughs> Got to find them. <laughs> yeah. Come through, universe, because I would also like to hear those. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, after high school, you went to college at Delaware State, but you've said that your heart really wasn't in it. And by the time you knew you wanted to be in entertainment, but maybe didn't know quite how to go about it, um, you eventually dropped out and started modeling. So tell us how your modeling career came about. Oh man, it's hilarious. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was, uh, I did a, um, so at, at college, uh, there was this girl I was trying to date and she wouldn't give me the time of day, but she said I should model. Okay. <laughs> 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 that makes no sense to me. But uh, I took her advice. I, I did this model and talent search in Philly and, uh, thinking it, it, you go to a model talent search there's like 50 plus different agents from the states and maybe some from overseas uh, i remember having a good time there thinking i'm gonna have a couple that want to take me on and I'm, i met a group of people and it was like oh man you're killing it up there <laughs> like you do you do a walk for them and everything and uh i end up getting no callbacks like nobody and I was like, I came back, I came back to college and all my friends was like, yo, how'd it go? I was like, yeah, I got, I got you know, two, two were interested. I, I don't know because they're so far. <laughs> <laughs> good, good save, good save. <laughs> oh my God, yo, I had to pick my face up off the ground. <laughs> oh man. And then, um, and then so uh, after uh, two semesters at Delaware State, uh, me and my cousin moved down to uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I just kept whisperings like, hey, you should model. You never thought about modeling? Are you being model? And so I tried another model. So this is the only way I knew how to do it. Supposedly, I just needed some great photos and just shot them around. But I did another model talent search. And from that, I got like 12 or 13 callbacks. Wow. Nice. And I got with one of the biggest, at that time, the biggest agent in Atlanta. And uh, started working out the gate, out the gate, man. Did the, I think my, one of my first jobs was like the biggest fashion show in Atlanta. I was just like, whoa, this is how it is. And I remember like everyone changing backstage in front of each other. It's like, oh, this, this is how it's going down. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about uh, like the modeling chapter of your professional life, what are some of the most like memorable gigs that you had? Uh, there's so many um, because the most memorable gigs tends to tends to be with the most memorable people because you meet so many people. Mm-hmm. 
One I can remember is when I booked a, a Timberland campaign and with another guy from New York. And we ended up being like really close. We call each other Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> uh, <laughs> white guy. Uh, 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 so we went to, so they flew us to, uh, uh, not Martha's Vineyard. Uh, Cape Cod, Nantucket. Cape Cod, Cape Cod. They flew us, so we flew to Boston and then they put us on this little tiny plane mm. and we flew to Cape Cod. It was a scary, scary mm. flight. I've never been in a plane where it moved like that. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got to Cape Cod. We were there for like three or four days and we're just filming like rugged Timberland stuff, carrying boats and uh, putting fences in uh, on the beach. And, and I, had, and I had a birthday during that time, during us filming that, uh, uh, shooting that. And the, the crew was cool. Everyone was cool. It was just a really cool vibe. And they brought me out a birthday cake on my birthday. And we all celebrated and we all had dinner. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing time. That's a good memory. Yeah. Um, well, you lived in Georgia for a few years and then you moved to New York City. So tell us how that came about. Uh, me and a couple of model buddies was like, hey, man, we need to um, step our game up. Um, and we all, a couple of us decided to go in an apartment in New York. And uh, um, uh, before we moved up there, we um, we went to visit. And I had a, we had a friend staying off of Broom Street. Uh, and uh, everyone got there before me. I got there, I got there midnight, September 10th. Woke up to September 11th. Wow. You're kidding me. Yeah, woke up to that. And, and you were downtown. Stuff. Downtown. We were not too far. Not too far. What was that like? It was surreal. It didn't make sense. I wasn't thinking about lives lost or anything. It was just like the whole city just shut down. Mm-hmm. So I was like, in my head, my young head, I'm like, all right, I'm just wasting money. <laughs> there's no, there's right. no, uh, no modeling agencies open. I'm like, God, wait. You know, and then it started setting in a little bit more when when the dust and soot started coming up our way. Um, uh, we went to we walked we went to uh, we went to Times Square. I think we walked our way up there. It didn't even feel like that long. Uh, and just I don't know. Everyone was just everyone didn't know what to think. It was it was interesting. I mean, we came back, and luckily we came back at a certain time because they was they was. Uh, 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 closing off that area downtown <clears throat> and we didn't have driver's license showing that we lived there so we would have never got it and uh, it was hard to, it was hard to get out uh, there were no cars available no flights were taken off all the rentals were gone uh, uh, but one of my bud's friends got us uh, a train ticket out of there and uh, so we uh it was, I think it was a Thursday <clears throat> because September 11th happened. Was that a Monday? Tuesday. Tuesday. So we got out on Thursday. And um, I remember being on a train train, and this lady sat next to me. And I was like, man, she looks familiar. <laughs> Who is she? I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I know your face from somewhere. She's like, oh, I'm Judge Hatchett. <laughs> I run a syndicate show. I was like, oh, Judge Hatchett. 
So I'm sitting at Judge Hatchet. We took a picture with Judge Hatchet. I still got that picture somewhere. Um, and she had the boogie out of there, too. She she got off in Philly, and we kept on going down to Georgia. Wow. I mean, that was 20 years ago. That's what's mm-hmm. so crazy. Yeah, totally. 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And when you talked about that, I mean, I still remember the smell of the air that morning. You know, there's just like certain yeah. sense memories you don't forget about that day and just how in shock everybody was when you saw them on the street. Yeah. Like, what a what a welcome to New York. Like, that's yeah. really crazy yeah. timing. I, 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 remember, I remember us walking, um, just walking around, and there was this lady crying in the street. And she was getting interviewed. And she was crying, and we stopped, and she was just bawling. She said, "I don't know. My 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 brother was in that building. I, I don't know what happened." And and then walking down the street, there was this man in suit, but he was covered in soot, just covered in soot, carrying a briefcase, walking like you know, how like uh, in in The Walking Dead, where the dead just. That's how he was walking. He was just walking like that. And uh, she turned because he got closer and she yelled out this sh- shriek that you don't typically hear. It's like a, it's a scary shriek. But that was her brother. Oh, my gosh. I got a picture of that somewhere. That's crazy. And it, was, it was just like, how, does, like how, do, how, do, how are we here? Her getting interviewed. And him walking down the street at the same time. How does that happen? And uh, she was blessed. Um, her brother survived. Wow. For sure. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, how did you then make the move back? And how long did you wait before you came? Uh, we came We came back. Uh, we moved back. We moved. And we came back the next year. Um, uh, that shows you how eager we was. <laughs> we were. <laughs> Um, we came in August. Well, I came in August. They came a few months earlier than me. Um, came in August and hit the road running. So let's talk about your experience in New York. Where did you Where did you live? First of all, my first split. We first stayed in uh, Clinton Hill. Uh, we were there when a lot of students were getting robbed. <laughs> a lot of Pratt students were robbed, and um, and then I moved to Williamsburg and I stayed in Williamsburg the whole. My, the rest of my year. I was there like 17 years. Stayed in, stayed in Williamsburg pretty much. Wow. I, I, I moved in Williamsburg twice, but I hate moving. I hate it. Oh, it's annoying. And if you find a good spot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you gotta stay. If you find a good spot and it's affordable, it's hard to find something equivalent. Yes. It's, if you find something equivalent, it's typically going to be more expensive. Right. Story of my life. Um, (laughs) Well, you worked as a bartender at a comedy club and you told Digest that you befriended some of the comedians you saw perform there, including Michelle Wolf, who's blown up in recent years. So tell us about that whole experience. Man, it was amazing. It gave me a new outlook on entertainment and what I needed to do, because at the time I wasn't pursuing acting. I was coming off of modeling and I was like, you know, in this in this zone where I needed to transition uh, to acting, but throughout modeling, I was taking acting classes, but I just never pursued it. And then being at this model club nightly, just seeing these young comics just uh, go up every night, like 
or try to get up or come to just or just come to comedy club so they can make friends with the, the, the you know the, the, the booking agents uh, the managers the the, uh, the bartenders the, the servers mm-hmm. just be there every night because they know eventually um, someone someone's not going to show up and that happened quite often comic just couldn't make it because there were so many comedy clubs in New York um, uh, a lot of comics could get up six seven eight times a night so uh it was um i needed to see that too i think i needed to see that to understand what i needed to do to hustle for acting because if you know the percentages of working actors it's it's a tough business it's really tough and um seeing um people like michelle wolf uh jared freed michael che jay farrow uh, some of the newer guys who are doing stuff, Monroe Martin, Reggie, um, Derek Gaines, um, uh, um, um, Mark, what's Mark's last? I, all these guys, like some of these guys uh, have uh, um, Andrew Schultz. Like some of these guys that went on um, Joe Rogan's podcast and from there, Jesus Christ, their followers went through the roof. It's, it's, um, it's amazing to see and I think when when I saw it and I could touch it, it changed the game for me. And and two people helped, uh, Yamanika Saunders and um, I'm blanking on this girl's name, and she's gonna beat me up. Uh, but uh, a comic reached out to Yamanika to reach out to me about uh, a show looking for a bartender, and uh, that. Uh, Still blanking on her name. So Yamanika hit me up. I was like, "Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, go to the uh, 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 audition," and I ended up booking it. It was a show called According to Him and Her, and I did like two seasons for it, uh, and that was fun because I worked with a bunch of other comics. Tiffany Haddish was on According to Him and Her. Uh, um, a couple other. Uh, I'm trying to think who uh, Yamanika was on According to Him and Her. Uh, who else? Uh, a couple of comics. Mm-hmm. So from there, um, I was still bartending at the comedy club <clears throat> and then lost the job. And then that's when I started pursuing acting. Yeah. So I'm curious because I think that uh, earlier get on your resume, your first television appearance was like before you were even really going for it to write, which is on Royal Pains. Yeah, I do. I did Royal, Royal Pains. Was it the is it the first episode? I think it was um, the pilot episode. Yeah, I think it was the pilot episode. Yeah. Um, I just got that. It, 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 it was like, it wasn't even really an audition. I just ran, I, I think I randomly went to an audition. And it was like, okay. And they just, and I got it. And I got it with another uh, model actor friend, Chad, Chad Gittins. <clears throat> and, uh, and a couple other guys who I knew in the industry. And uh, we were just a truck, this guy named Truck. We were all, you know, ball players. <laughs> and I uh, had two lines on that. But I wasn't pursuing acting at that time. I was, I was modeling, just trying to get my feet wet with what with, with that was about. But that was fun, though, man. We had, we had, a, good, we had a good time on that day. I loved that show. Um, and I definitely saw the pilot episode. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, um, another ongoing television gig you had was on Owns Greenleaf, playing the role of Jabari Johnson. So tell us about Greenleaf and getting that and just your whole run there. That was a game changer. Um, <clears throat> uh, so 
All right. So uh, I'll try to bring you to that. Do uh, Pushing and trying to be your best, acting classes and, and working really hard at it, even though you think people aren't watching, people are. And I had a friend, uh, she wasn't even really my friend, but we were acquaintances. Uh, booked, um, she was from that acting class. She booked a show in Boston, a movie in Boston, and um, they had lost their lead. <clears throat> and uh, she was like, I know a guy in New York uh, who I think would be good for this lead. And I don't have no credits. She just knew me from acting class. And uh, I did a Skype interview with them. They liked it, the audition. They called me up because it was I was playing a cop, so they wanted to see my work with a gun. And uh, got up there and uh, blew them out the water and, and booked that. And uh, so we filmed that uh, a whole a whole summer. Um, and the same girl, she was uh, she was like, I'm gonna uh, submit to agents and managers down in, in, in Georgia because that's where the market is right now. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that. So from her, I got an agent in North Carolina because I submitted uh, Maryland's agency. And my fourth audition with them was Greenleaf. And uh, I remember submitting it really late. And I had a singing part on it too. And I forgot and I had to wake up like two in the morning to put that on there and then submit it. And uh, the next day, I'm going to acting class, and uh, I get a call right before I'm walking in, and uh, it was my agent. And she was like, uh, "Hey, Sean, um, <clears throat> Greenleaf would like to see you um, tomorrow. Um, they want to do a, a director session." And I was like, "I'm in New York. You think I should fly to Atlanta tomorrow?" She was like, "Yeah, I, I think so." <laughs> like so casual with it. I was like, yeah, I think you should. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, so I went to acting class, and I'm like trying to like look for flights while I'm in acting class. Flew down the next day. Luckily, I had some friends down there because I used to live there. Uh, so flew down, stayed with some friends, and uh, and uh, went and did the director session. And I remember going in, and the director was in there, and he was like, hey, he was like, hey, go get so and so. I want. I was like, oh, he trying to show me off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you want to show me off? So, uh, no, I'm sorry. No, was it direct? Yeah, yeah, it was director session. And so went in there, did my thing, then hit my agent up the next day, and it was like, we want him to do a chemistry read uh, next the next week. And the chemistry read was the day of uh, 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 us voting for the president, which Trump came in office that day. Uh, so I went and did the chemistry read and uh, flew back to New York the next day. And my agent was like, you booked Greenleaf. And uh, from there, did Greenleaf. It was a recurring role. You know, recurring is, who knows. But like, I ended up doing like 13 episodes of a 16-episode season, you know? That's great. So uh, as your profile starts to grow as an actor, 2019 was a huge year for you career-wise because you landed the role of Nate on Young and the Restless. So yeah. tell us your whole YNR casting story. Um, so I'm in, like, so uh, I'm making trips back and forth uh, from New York to LA, coming out here for like a few weeks, you know, seeing if I can get auditions. <clears throat> 
here and there I had some auditions. And then I, I came out for my, uh, it was my first pilot season, uh, uh, February, 2019. And I came out here the second week of February. And I was here for three weeks and uh, I had a couple auditions. And then Young and the Restless was one of my last ones. And I went in and um, auditioned, got back home that same day, I think. They was like, hey, they want you to come in and uh, 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 for a callback. And I was like, okay. Um, so I went in for a callback. And it was like, the callback, it was for the, for the role of Nate. It was me and four other guys. And they were, they were also casting Adam. Um, and I, I, I keep talking to Mark Grossman. I'm like, I don't remember seeing you there. I remember all <laughs> the other guys, but I don't remember him for some reason. Um, and so I went in and they had, uh, they had uh, Melissa reading with me at the time, who became my first love interest. And uh, she was amazing. She, she was, she was, she acted like she was on set. Like, you know, how some people could probably take it like, I don't know. I gotta read my, but uh, she gave me everything I needed, and I attribute much of my performance to her because she gave me a lot. Um, and I remember just sitting there on stage after we we were done, and and uh, everyone asking questions, and there were some smiles in there. I was like, huh. you know, you know, in Hollywood, don't take that too far, but. <laughs> I like, oh, they may have liked it, you know, but there's all kinds of other things that you can't control that they, they could book someone else for, or for whatever. So I went home and, um, no, that, that night after they was like, uh, so how, how much longer are you here, uh, in, um, LA? I was like, uh, oh, I fly out tomorrow. And, uh, so I went back home and I got a, a message saying, don't leave yet. And then, I think maybe later that day I booked it. I think it was later that day they told me, and I was like, "Whoa, what?" It was contract world. I, was like, Ooh. I think I first called my mom, and then I called my closest friends, and uh, and I was like, "They want me to shoot next, start shooting next week." <laughs> like all my stuff is in New York, my bills, everything is in New York, so. It was an interesting transition. I, my, that first year was just me transitioning here to L.A., uh, move all my stuff here to L.A., uh, from New York to L.A. Um, but it was, it, was, it was surreal because I've got, I've got friends in this business who've been going at this for a long time, and it's just like, I don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, but some of the, many of those friends, I, I think once you go at this for too long, not too long. I think once you go at this for a long time and it's constant disappointment, you start to have a negative attitude towards it. Mm -hmm. Not everyone, but quite a few. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just felt blessed to, you know, book it, you know. Right. I know, that, you know, I don't take it lightly. And it was a show that you knew that you were familiar with. <laughs> it was, it was, it's weird. Yeah, it was like, but my mom just like, Two months ago, it was like, you know what's crazy? My son is on Young and the <laughs> <laughs> It's like, my son is on Young and the I, I can't wrap my mind around that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. So sweet. It, it, the, the whole family pretty much watched Young and the Restless. 
um, one time in their life. So I remember my grandmother's 90th birthday uh, 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 was it last year, last year, the year before, no, a year before last. And uh, the family had a birthday party for her. <laughs> and so <laughs> my aunt was arranging it. She was like, Sean, you coming, right? So I get to the birthday party, get all these people I ain't never seen before in my entire life. <laughs> I had my grandma's birthday party. I walk into this birthday party. We, 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 they rented out a space, and there was cameras and everything clicking. Everyone pulling me to the side, take pictures. It, I was like, are they here for me or for my grandma? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Um, now, when you took over as Nate, it was a difficult time for the show because Christoph St. John, who played Neil, your character's uncle, had recently passed away. So what was it like taking part in the emotional episodes surrounding the death of his character really so soon after you joined? Man, that was, that was tough. There was no acting that week. There was no acting that week. It was, it was, all, it was all real. You felt it. You felt it in the room. Uh, even like I just absorbed what everyone else was feeling, you know, to fuel my lines because, you know, um, Nate, you no, know, Nate was staying at his place, you know, uh, they had a relationship. Yeah, it was, it was, it had been nice to, to meet him because acting wise, there's not many who can hold a candle to Kristoff. Um, but it was nice to meet all the cast, all this, all these cast members, you, you know, who came back for the show that week. Uh, Shamar, um, uh, a couple of the names I, I don't remember their names, but it was, it was, it was tough. But it was, yeah, yeah it was tough. It was tough. Well, let's talk about uh, some members of your YNR family within the larger YNR family. So your character's cousins on the show are Devon and Lily, played by Brighton James and Crystal Khalil. So tell us about uh, working with the two of them. I don't work with Crystal a lot. You know, it's, it's, it's fun to work with her, but uh, I don't really work with her much. But I uh, love her. Uh, uh, Bright, uh, you said Brighton, too? Brighton, love working with Brighton, Brighton open arms first day, you know? Um, uh, Cause you know, some people could be like, all right, you, you on my set, newbie. <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, uh, has been brotherly from the first day. Um, him, you know, Michelle, Michelle Morgan came back. Uh, Michelle Morgan, we like this, you know? Um, love working with her, even though I don't work with her much. Uh, uh, Brittany, amazing. Love working with Brittany. Brittany gives me so much. I love working with uh, Melissa. Every everyone I worked with, man. I, I honestly have to say, man, it's 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 a great set. Like Greenleaf was amazing set. This is an amazing set. I like two for two. Lucky. Like I got to knock on some wood. Previous <laughs> set can be tough. Mm-hmm. I was I was talking to my acting coach, and he used to be on the soap back in the day. Uh, I can't remember what soap he said. I probably shouldn't say it anyway, but he was on some soap. He said it was, the energy was horrible. 
there. He was like, uh, no one liked anyone. No one hung out with anyone. It was just, it was just rough. And he was on it for a few years. I was like, yo, well, that's total opposite of what I'm dealing with. So, as you mentioned, Nate and Abby were together, but their pairing was short lived. And then things took a real turn when Nate had that surprise one night stand with Elena, played by Brittany. So, just tell us about you know working with her and that shift and what you thought when you saw it in the script. You, you saw it coming. I saw. It. We, we saw it coming a mile away. Uh, so I, I, didn't, I didn't think too much of it, but I was like, man, they didn't give me and Abby any time. You know, it was just like, hi, bye, you know. Uh, uh, so, and I, you know, <laughs> uh, Melissa was like, hey, when are you coming back, Nate? Because <laughs> we love, we, we had, a, we had a, such a fun time working together. But uh, uh, it, it was interesting because, um, Brighton and Brittany together, you know, so I'm like, uh-oh. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how couples, I don't know how couples deal with this stuff. I, I would hate to be dating somebody on a soap opera, and you know they're going to be with somebody else eventually. <laughs> but uh, professionals, man, professionals. Um, uh, and the, the love scene happened during COVID. So you saw how they played with the yeah. tricks and the lighting and the shadows, you know. Right. My head changed in the shadows. It was a different head. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. You know, COVID. Um, so what is your take on the current status of Nate and Elena? You know, do you think there could be a bona fide future there? Do you think there's potential? What do you, what's your, what's your take? I think there better be a bona fide future. Sheesh. <laughs> that girl's been through a lot. That, bro, that girl's been through a lot. We, we need some, we need some, we need to, some settling, some clearing off the dust. Um, I think there's definitely a future. Um, I think we need to, I would love to build a huge storyline with her, you know, just to, just to cement us on the show, um, you know, and have this, um, history. Like people can look back. Oh yeah. I remember that. not like a fly by night history, but like, I would love to like have a cemented history. Like, um, like, uh, Christoph, uh, uh, Christoph Shamar, um, Drew, I'm, I'm using character names and real names. I'm sorry. <laughs> Drew, Olivia, uh, Neil, and uh, and uh, uh, Malcolm. Mm -hmm. Like they cemented their legacies on the show, and I would love for us to do that, and uh, Brighton and uh, Michelle to do that. You know, uh, I hope hope they don't tear us <laughs> tear us up <laughs> quick. You know. Well. Uh I don't know. When I saw those Nate and Imani scenes, there was kind of a flirty vibe there. Um, so what do you no, think Nate knows? makes of her? And uh, tell us about Leanne Rose. What do I think Nate thinks of her? Well, first, Leanne Rose is an amazing work with love, love, love that she's there. Um, Nate, Nate, Nate knows she's attractive. Nate playing, <laughs> Nate playing stupid, though. <laughs> 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 they play stupid right in front of, right in front of uh, um, uh, 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 Elena, right in front of Elena. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> 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 
Well, when he's not, you know, uh, having his romantic relations, Nate is, of course, Genoa City's go-to medicine man. Yeah. So do you like playing a doctor or is it sort of like a burden to have to deal with like all of the medical jargon that goes with that? It's a little scary because, you know, there's a lot of medical jargon and it, it's, it's not the easiest thing for me. It's so like, and like, you know, we're not like Grey's Anatomy where we're like having a ton of uh, uh, prep and, you know, going over lines like this. Here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, so um, it's challenging, but I take the challenge and I, I, I enjoy it. It, it, it. it lets me work with other cast members I, I don't see as much. Um, but yeah, like when I, when I find, when they put in that medical stuff, I don't know. I'm doing like a lot of research, <laughs> doing a lot of research. All right. How do you say this? Oh, all right. <laughs> do you know, I have to tell you, I think you have really mastered the long pause that soap operas require of the doctor when they're like, how did the transplant go? And you have to like hold the look of drama because you're not going to tell them till the next scene. I see you. I see you doing that very nicely. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, now, we really love the recent tribute episode to Neil, which Nate took part in, of course. Um, you know, as you speak of cementing, you know, your legacy on the show, what does it mean to you to be part of this legacy family, um, the Winters? It's big. It's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. It's a big shoes to fill, um, which will never be filled. But you know, if we could, um, if we could add, you know, add to those shoes, you know, bring in some some more shoes that are comparable, um, and um, the fans accept it, that'd be amazing. You know, um, uh, yeah. I just. I recently looked at some of Christoph's old stuff. I'm like, how are any of us going to be that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> God, oh my gosh, dude. I mean, you know, he's been acting since he was a child. You know, I get it. But good gosh, man, that dude was, um, was a powerhouse. Yeah, he was. A powerhouse. He should be, he should be more known, mm -hmm. honestly, more known. Agreed. Honestly. Like his, <clears throat> I look at his acting on a level of uh, on a, uh, he's up there with the Cheetles and, and Denzels and Jeffrey Wrights. Mm -hmm. um, he just stayed in daytime. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and I don't even know if some of those cats could do what he, he done on a soap. He's done on a soap. Good point. I doubt it actually. I think also I, I, that's I, I an impossible transition to some extent to go probably from feature film and the way it works to doing the soap opera yeah. and the way, especially they yeah. work now. Yeah. They're like, oh, we, got, what? we don't rehearse? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're doing how many episodes a day? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, I, I was curious to know, since you've been on the show for a while now, if you've had any memorable stories of being recognized in public, and I'm not going to count Grandma's 90th as a public event or a public space. <laughs> uh, I, I told these two stories already, but uh, it, was, it, was when I was in, uh, it was when I was in New York. A uh, lady recognized me in the grocery store. Um, she came up to me, and she was like... Uh, <laughs> It was funny because I, I had like it was, it was, I think I think I had a jacket on, a hat, some sunglasses. Because it was I think it was I think it was chilly. Yeah, I think it was chilly. It was cold in New York. It was the winter time. 
And um, she's like, she tapped me on the shoulder. She's like, excuse me, hi. <laughs> Did you play Dr. Day? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And she just chatted me up. And then she ended up putting something on, on uh, Facebook about the experience. Thank God I wasn't an a-hole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then um, I, I think that same day or the day after, uh, I was at a coffee shop with a friend. And this lady was sitting next to us. And uh, she was like, you Dr. Hastings on your analysis. <laughs> I was like, oh, I come to New York. And that's what people recognize. No that's one knows right. me in LA. They, they just keep, or if they do know me, they're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you got too many celebrities out there in LA. You got, yeah. That's why you come to New York. And yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. with the people, and they really see yes, you. Exactly. Exactly. But see, in that moment in the coffee shop, were you like, was I talking about storyline? Was she over here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't talking about a storyline. I was catching up with a friend. Uh, yeah, I remember, uh, yeah. I remember on Greenleaf, I was getting uh, recognized a lot, too. Mm -hmm. Especially when I went down to, like, North Carolina or Atlanta. I got recognized a lot, yeah. That's great. Um, well, now that you're not a newcomer anymore, is there anything you wish the Sean Dominic that walked into YNR on that first day had known about where his journey on the show would take him? Um, you can, with, if you watch enough soap operas, you can assume where, you know, what you're going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, nah, I think it was good. I didn't know, you know, there's a beauty to that. Um, and there's a great, you know, what's, what's fascinating is, you know, no one holds your hand. You just, you come on that set professionally. And I remember I didn't know anything. I was like, all I knew was my lines. I ain't like, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where my rooms were. I like all these places to go with set, you know, I would just watch people and follow. <laughs> I guess it's the military brand. In me. The observer. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, uh, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's just a, it's just a well-oiled machine and uh, uh, you jump in and you better well, you better oil yourself and just flow, go with the flow <laughs> and figure it out as you go. <laughs> yeah. Soaps are very sink or swim for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you feel that you've changed as an actor since you first started playing Nate? Oh man. Um, my learning lines game has increased tremendously, tremendously. Um, like I'm, I'm even fooling myself sometimes. I'm like, I'll go over my lines. I'm like, do I already know that? No. <laughs> I'm amazing. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazing. Yeah, I'm like, do I know that? <laughs> I don't, how do I know that already? But um, yeah, you, you train that little, I don't know if it's short term memory or what, but learned a lot. Um, and it's amazing to typically be on set every week. Um, that's what I like about comedians. They can go out on stage every night if they want to, every night, seven days a week. And as an actor, you don't have that unless you're in a soap opera <clears throat> or unless you're in a continuously running uh, play. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's an experience I wouldn't trade, you know, cause I'm learning so much. You learn so much about yourself. You know, you can take all these acting classes, you can do all this stuff you want, but until you get on set, you don't know how you're going to put out that all together, you know? Um, and it takes a lot, you know, 
um, I, I, I can't even, I don't even know if I can put into words how much I've learned. Mm -hmm. Well, before we let you go, is there anything you want to say directly to the YNR fans who have followed you since day one as Nate? Uh, fans, uh, thank you for, uh, getting me to 10,000 followers <laughs> on Instagram. I, we just reached that yesterday or the day before yesterday. Congratulations. Um, and it, it helped with Michelle Morgan's post. She, she had reached a hundred K followers mm -hmm. and she posted it. And then I went on her post and I was like, Hey, I'm not too far behind you. I'm <laughs> almost at 10 K. And then, <laughs> And then from that post, I got like, because I was like at nine, I was like at nine, I was like at, uh, I was like 40 followers away from 10,000. And from that post, all these people was like, oh, I didn't even know I wasn't following you. So I, I got a bunch of followers from that, from me just posing on her post. Um, uh, keep watching, keep rooting for us, keep rooting for uh, Hastings storyline, Hastings went to storyline. Uh, push for me to, uh, get my uh, house finished because it's been under construction for two years. <laughs> uh, me and Brittany need to go somewhere instead of um, Lola's place. <laughs> or <the> hotel. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, just keep watching. Uh, keep rooting for us. Um, stick with your, with your favorite actors through, through the thick and thin. Follow the journey. You know it's uh, it's a tough one, but we you know we're constantly pushing to um, to be better in this art form and to um, bring the best to you. You know, love that. And you know, we certainly hope to see you in more story and have more reasons to put you on the cover of Soap Opera Digest, which you have been on since your debut. <laughs> yeah, I got love one. That. Do y'all ever put one person by themselves? Occasionally. Occasionally, all right, all right, we're gonna have to work on that. Hashtag goals. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, this was so much fun getting to know you, and thanks so much for all your time today. We hope to talk to you soon. Thank you, ladies. You have a great day. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye, Sean. Bye bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Sean Dominic for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Mm -hmm.